Hello and welcome to Underline Frequencies. I'm your host, Maya Giselle Savidra. Today I'll be talking with Daniel Jackson. He works for the Cultural Center, 7th Generation, here in Mount Pleasant. So before I begin, um, I'd like to kind of give a disclaimer. So Daniel, because he works for the Cultural Center, he is really focused on keeping our keeping the ties with the tribe and the school. In another episode, I'll be talking to Professor Jared Halter because um, he will share a lot of information about CMU's involvements with the Saginaw Chippewa tribe and how maybe we should strengthen those ties, how we should do more for the tribe. I would really like to say, please check out Saginaw Chippewa's history. I mean, as Daniel said, you, you don't, you're not forced to, but you should, in my opinion. Our school is on native land that is stolen. Um, the native people have to buy back the land that belongs to them, as Daniel and I have um, discussed earlier. Really, you should do your part. If you go here to Central Michigan University, or if you just live here <laughs> in Michigan, you should make it your job to be informed about native people, native customs, where the native uh, words come from, where what those words mean, what the tribes mean, um, where those tribes were from, what they did, because we erased their history and it's still erased. There's still so much that I don't know that I learned today <laughs> just from Daniel about customs and traditions that the native people kind of lost or were not allowed to practice anymore because of white settlers. So if CMU won't teach you these things, make it your job to go out there and learn it yourself. Go to the cultural center, um, go to the museum, learn, go to a library and read, go speak to some native people like Daniel, um, other people at the cultural center, because I learned a lot today that I should have learned in school long ago. Um, no, my name is Dan Jackson, and I work at the Seventh Generation uh, Elijah Out Culture Center. So I guess I'll just I guess I'll just jump into the first question. I feel like in a lot of children's movies, so for example, like Pocahontas, Peter Pan, uh, or like the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving movie, the the relationship between Native people and white colonizers is very different than the actual historical uh, relationship between the two groups of people. So how do you think movies like this have negatively affected uh, indigenous people? Well, culture loss is something a lot of our, our community members here are dealing with. And I, I can't tell you how many times being young, watching TV, thinking, is that how our ancestors were? Because mm. even I didn't know at, at, at one point. So, you know, learning about ceremonies, learning about history, and then, you know, kind of mixing all that, those things that I've learned now, I've kind of painted my own picture of what our ancestors did, mm. you know? And I, like, to me, I definitely can tell, because there are movies out now that, I want to say give a give a better perspective from from North American Indians now. Like, mm. um, I don't know if you've heard of the movie Indian Horse. I have not known. 
that's a that that one talks about like the boarding schools, um, just a a, a boarding school story. Hmm. It was pretty sad. Hmm. Um, there was another movie. Uh, it's an older one. Um, and that one was uh, Smoke Signals. And one of the things about that one just kind of talked about how uh, how North American Indians live today on, on reservations with, you know, kind of like a closed community, kind of. Mm. Um, and then I I recently, anything related to tribal people, I'm, I'm like really interested in. So like there was a new movie that just came out and Canada, and I was able to get it on uh, Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And it was called the called the Grizzlies, and it's a lacrosse movie. So I was like really geeked about that <laughs> just because I have an interest in lacrosse. And that one was more about uh, depression and isolation, but also like even isolated out there, even they have their own uh, level of. Uh, culture and language loss too. Mm. So I just want to mention I, earlier when we talked, we talked about how uh, lacrosse was actually a game invented by indigenous people. And I didn't know that. So can you maybe explain a little bit about that? So there's a whole story about uh, when, like, um, how the game came to our people. And then, you know, other tribes are going to have their own creation story of that mm. of the game too um but historically the reason it was even called lacrosse is because uh the french settlers seen the iroquois nation playing their version of their game and it was very entertaining to them and you know obviously they came up with their own name for the game if you know, we were to say it in our language, mm-hmm. our game, our game's called Bugadaway, not lacrosse. But we'll use that name just as far as, like, communication pur- purposes, mm-hmm. just so that we know what we're talking about. So another question I have, um, I was doing some research okay. earlier, and I, I learned that basically in media and movies and TV shows, there are two stereotypes about native people so one stereotype is that they're like violent or untrustworthy people and then the other uh, stereotype which is completely opposite is that they're considered good people because they're like mystical kind of helpers and they're there to like kind of aid white people (laughs) through their kind of journey why do you think these stereotypes still exist for native people when progress has been made for other groups of people in media communication for sure like uh i guarantee you um the movies and the the media concepts are not they didn't consult native people on on their perspective Mm. so i think that's one major issue or that's apparent in you know all the uh movies or or interviews or that I've seen. I guess what would you what would you like to see in the future as far as representation in movies and TV shows? Well, a consultant maybe and 
hopefully it's not somebody who is that you just know you know hopefully it's somebody who's knowledgeable about the field you know right yeah of course like if if you're gonna film a movie like there was another movie i liked it was called uh crooked arrows and and they did do some native consulting in that movie and you could tell but you could also see a lot of it was kind of as far as like the cultural relevance it wasn't a, a big part of the movie it was more i guess the storyline right. but it, at least the consulting part was apparent we talked earlier about how the meaning of tribal names like the meaning of the the name Saginaw and the name Chippewa have been kind of lost like the their meaning and mm-hmm. so I know that Mount Pleasant, they have a park called Chippewaters Park. And I just wanted to know, in your opinion, is is the name Chippewaters, like making a pun out of the name Chippewa, is that kind of offensive? Should we kind of maybe think more about what we name institutions? Well, um, I thought about stuff like that, too. I feel like that's going with, um, you know how all languages are evolving as far as like even English mm-hmm. you know other other languages evolve too as far as like uh, cutting a word shorter it's not you know I don't know I feel like we compromise cultural values when we do that mm. but I mean it's it's one of those things that it's just it's gonna happen as younger people you know, grow up, um, or new younger people coming into a community, you know, whatever becomes popular, that's what kind of sticks. And I remember one of my teachers saying exactly that. Mm -hmm. So, um, he grew up, uh, on, in Waquemacong, which is a community on Manitoulin Island. And that community's you know, the whole community speaks the language. And, you know, if one family was a little bit more uh, popular than others, whatever kind of slang they used, meaning cutting some of the words short in mm-hmm. the language, that would stick. Huh. That's very interesting. Well, speaking of, of cutting names short, I'm sure you know, uh, CMU, we call ourselves the Chips sometimes so is the nickname chips uh also kind of you know taking the culture out of the name chippewa in your opinion it's hard to say how to feel about that i mean our people are really called the ojibwe Hmm. and it really got really got changed based on uh like european accents trying to you know, enunciate the way we speak mm. or, you know, on our language. So Chippewa originally was Ojibwe as far as like the original, as in our original language. Huh. And, you know, it's one of those things where with all the culture loss, you know, some people accept it and some people don't. I'd also like to ask you, what would you like to see CMU do to kind of um, honor or, you know, 
I guess, give more information about the local Saginaw Chippewa tribe? Well, I know, like, every year, um, the drum gets asked to participate at at the football game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as far as, like, uh, every once in a while, one of the teachers will bring a class either to seventh generation or they'll bring them to uh, Zeebling. Um, and I know most of that is based on, you know, we have a working relationship. Now, how we feel about things might have consequences to burning those bridges. Remember, I mentioned how uh, U of M used to sponsor a pretty <laughs> big event, and yeah. now they don't. <laughs> yeah. And this would be one of those things that, where I feel like, you know, if the tribe said no, that's offensive and no you can't do this and no you can't do that i i feel like a big bridge would be burned as far as like the opportunity to educate right yeah absolutely i i see where you're coming from absolutely but me go as a student being here i just feel like especially because we're on native land and we continue to use the name chippewa even though uh, we're kind of not supposed to i just feel like we should invite the tribe to to do more, to speak more, and to be more educated. Personally, I don't I don't really know much about the tribe, and um and I go to school here, and CMU prides themselves on being in such close contact with the tribe, but I don't I don't really know anything about uh the community. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you there. I think uh, more meetings, more uh, more opportunities to have a cultural exchange should happen for sure hmm. what would you like to see happen maybe like what are some ideas you have of of cmu uh getting into contact with you guys more um well our numbers available on websites <laughs> and you know we have a museum um maybe, maybe putting up part of their well and then it depends on the degree what kind of degree are you gonna make a requirement to learn about the local tribe you know what i mean Mm, yeah so that that that's another barrier i don't see the most students want to get their degree and you know move on and move on to their career you know yeah i i can understand that as well but you know i feel like everyone should be educated about you know all kinds of local things, no matter what you're going into, just makes you a little more well-rounded, I guess. <laughs> well, that's the other thing as far as, like, our culture and our ways. I, I'm i not okay with forcing that on anybody. I'm hmm. not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. So I think, like, the way it is now, you know, if anybody wants to learn, our door is open. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing you. <laughs> I'm... I I could probably see a lot of people feeling the same way as far as like not being okay to to force people to learn or know anything about us. Hmm. You know, I'm I'm kind of not okay with that. Hmm. Earlier you were talking about how the the name uh Ojibwe has kind of been I guess Europeanized or um Anglicanized. So what does what does the name Ojibwe really mean originally? 
So our our Ojibwe people who are known as the writers and how we say writing in our language would language would be Ojibwe gay. That means to write. Hmm. And the way we say it in Ojibwe is a description of those people who write. So our language, all of our language is, is a descriptive language. So like everything that we say, we're describing something. So like we have a word that we use to identify a bear and it doesn't mean bear. We say mkwa and it ain't, doesn't mean bear. It means the animal that boxes himself in. That's what that word means. Or another one we use to identify a deer, we would say wawashkash. It doesn't mean deer. What we're describing is that white tail that runs away. Hmm. Um, or another word for horse, we'd say bajgoji. So where it doesn't mean horse, we're identifying that one-nailed animal. Just to give examples of how our language is descriptive, it's not about names, you know, that's what we call them. Or, you know, that's the other thing. Um, as far as our language, um, our, our people are, are, have huge numbers all across, you know, especially Canada. Mm -hmm. So um, I live here in Michigan, but somebody else in like Minnesota, the same nation, might use a different word for identifying something. Matter of fact, I do hear, I have heard uh, multiple words used for like, some people would say like, when they're describing a blue color, some people would say Minande. Minande is describing the blueberry, the color of or Gijande. Gijande means the, the day sky blue. Just given a a description of how languages, the thought process is totally different than, you know, what do you think in English? When you're thinking about things in English language, oh, it's just a name. Right. Well, in our language, when we identify something, it's got a deeper meaning because we're given a, a very uh, vivid or accurate description of whatever it is we're talking about. I, I yeah, I can I can see what you're saying. Um, that also kind of reminds me when we were talking earlier about how how all the groups of Native people, because as you said, there's uh, 500 groups of different Indigenous people in the Americas, but kind of how all Indigenous people are are lumped into into one kind of group, but there's so much diversity. So could you maybe speak a little bit to that as well? Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, different tribes will have uh, different ceremonies. Their language is altogether different. And a lot of it has to do with the region they're in, too. I guess when the average white person, myself included, when we kind of think of Native Americans or Indigenous people, we have a certain image of what that would look like. But as you said, there's all kinds of different, you know, dress and different, um, depending on like where in the country um, the tribe is from. 
there's all kinds of different, there's all kinds of diversity. So can you maybe uh, speak to that too? Like, where do you think the the image of like the classic native person comes from? Well, when I look at uh, some of the movies I've seen, I see headdresses. Yeah. And headdresses are more, um, more related to the Sioux and like Blackfeet nations. So those are more like near the the middle of the the country, like Nebraska, Iowa, you know, the Dakotas, and you know those areas. So based on that, that's where I think a lot of the contact happened. Hmm. So, you know, if those are the, that's the tribe that they encountered, I could see where they think everybody's like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know um, indigenous people have been talked about a lot in the news because of like the the pipeline that's going on and just like um, intrusion onto native lands. So can you maybe talk about how um, native people are depicted in the media as well and how that either helps or hinders uh, the causes that are... You're talking about Standing Rock? Right, I haven't yeah. really seen anything in, in the news on that. I only know what, you know, what I hear on, uh, you know, from friends and relatives about it, you know, so I don't really know what's in the news, but, like, some of the things I've heard, because there are, was quite a few people in this community that went there, hmm. um, they went there, they protested, they said they were shot at with rubber bullets, they were gassed, oh, no. and they were also arrested. Well, I guess ex- exactly what you said. So I guess in the media, they don't really talk about how the police were called and, and um, they were shot out with like bullets and they were just being peaceful protesters. If you'd like to maybe talk about how the media hasn't really portrayed protests the way that they're actually happening you know they don't really show the police coming out and stopping trying to stop people um they kind of just show well this is what's happening and there's like a big legal battle type thing you know maybe if you'd like to talk about that yeah i i would i would say that there's a there was a lack of perspective there yeah you know all those people were definitely upset about the pipeline and they were definitely oppressed. That's not fair. Kind of getting numb and used to that pattern, though, because there's other places where, you know, Native people are struggling, not just with, you know, things like that. I mean, the whole Navajo Nation don't have clean water hmm. down there. And near the Four Corners area where, you know, Arizona area. New Mexico, they don't have clean water. And that's one of the biggest uh, tribal nations in the state. Wow. Hmm. There's also quite a few uh, tribal communities that are struggling with just poverty, you know. Um, And most of that poverty was because the government didn't make good on their, the things that were promised to those, a lot of different tribes and treaties so now a lot of those people are suffering that way well probably one of the other things is you know how we how did we get to this culture loss i know uh boarding schools had a big influence on that and Mm. 
Um, there was two boarding schools in the whole state of Michigan. One of them was up there in uh, Harbor Springs, Michigan. And the other one was right here in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Mm. So I, I definitely feel like the boarding school being right in this community, I think that had a definite impact on the large culture and language loss here. Mm, yeah. And I never thought about that, but it does make a lot of sense because I have heard that um, Mount Pleasant did have a boarding school and that would that would make sense about why you know so many people as you as you said have been kind of losing the the culture i'd like to ask so thanksgiving is coming up what are your thoughts about the thanksgiving holiday and how it's been portrayed to us in in school and um versus the reality of what actually happened to native people well i think a lot of people are have uh, that whole story kind of confused and it has to do with you know it's very easy to get that confused based on, you know, how we look at life today. Look at all the things that we take for granted today that, you know, we didn't have a long time ago. Mm. Electricity, running water, just all these luxuries, a phone. We have all these luxuries today, and I think it, it's because of how spoiled we are. It's mm. difficult to understand, you know, the the real value of, of food. Mm. So... <clears throat> And that's one of the reasons food is is a big part of, like, ceremonies. Food had a big value. Our feast our, our, is a big ceremony, and food is part of that. And when we celebrated anything, food was a big part of that. Hmm. So I feel like, you know, depending on which encounter um, the history books are are referring to a lot of the eastern tribes there you know yeah they were excited they were it was a nice peaceful meeting mm-hmm. and how else are you gonna you know be hospitable and hey let's have some food it's stuff like that where i feel like you know our value kind of gets lost i think what i'm what i'm kind of uh now realizing is the the, the meaning of thanksgiving has really been lost like um from what you said, I, I think at least, um, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but the original Thanksgiving was Native people trying to reach out and, you know, help out white settlers. And now it's kind of more commercialized. And I, I think we've lost a lot of the meaning. I think um, it's become uh, mostly a, a white holiday, probably even. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, our, like even... We were, we were giving out those uh, feast kits mm-hmm. here here at the Seventh Generation Program. We had feasts going on to celebrate, like, the seasons. But, like, in the fall time, is right around the time we had what was called Spirit Feast. Hmm. And that's more specific to, like, honoring ancestors that walked on. And, again, we used food. Food was a big part of that ceremony or feast. Um, so earlier, also when I was uh, visiting the the Seventh Generation Cultural Center, we kind of talked about also how how wasteful the world has become. Over there, you guys grow your own plants, and you're working on I know getting uh, livestock just so we can you know really appreciate the earth and, and take care of the earth because all of that modern farming stuff is, is pretty harmful to the environment. How do you feel about the mass production of, of 
not only food, but just products in general? How is that harmful to the environment? Well, yeah, I think more people are becoming aware of some of the toxins that are getting put into food and then and then the footprint that's left behind from, you know, all the pesticides and chemicals being used mm. on farming, whether, well, yeah, farming and livestock. I think it's really nice that we have the opportunity to even, you know, explore the route that we are going right now with, uh, so we're supposed to get nine cows sometime next year. I guess something I kind of just realized while talking to you, we waste so much, like we've industrialized so much that we've kind of lost the original practices. And as I keep uh, saying and learning, this is, wasn't our land. We took it and then we kind of destroyed it also because it, it really just seems like, I, I hate to kind of lump all people together, but it really just seems like Native people have a much greater appreciation for the environment and for, you know, using all of our resources Whereas white colonizers and settlers, we've kind of just built up and like done more, 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 which is really depleting the environment. So how do you feel about that? Well, it's a, it's a value, definitely. Hmm. Um, that whole value speaks loud and clear. Like when you compare, like look at this pandemic we're under, hmm. and then you look at you know other countries that why is their number so low? Yeah, <laughs> um, and I remember we had a gentleman come in and and I he uh, he put this idea in my head. It, it it does come down to values. A lot of other countries, those people are helping each other hmm. more. You know, they're going to the grocery store for their elderly people, or you know, mm-hmm. just sharing food sources and. It's just a a completely different value. Just one little thing that, you know, it's a value thing and, you know, values were a little bit different. You know, I went to Meyer a few times, you know, there's people in there that don't want to wear a mask. Yeah. (laughs) They won't wear a mask. So that's a value thing. Everybody else is doing it, but they don't want to do it. So I feel like there's a lack of respect there. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Very, uh, I think we're all very individualistic in America, as opposed to kind of more community um, centered. How would you like to educate, I guess, people outside of the indigenous community about the true history of uh, you know, Native traditions and the true history of uh, Native names and where those names come from? Man, I think all of those could have their own little section. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That, that's how I feel. Games. So there's a lot of lot of games that our people used to play. Mm-hmm. That was our school. Whether it was a athletic game or, you know, games that required you to think. Lacrosse is definitely an athletic game. Mm-hmm. But there's other games that we would play. There was like dice games and we had other uh, guessing type games just to kind of make people think or read you know people's body language or you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that i you know i'd be interested in sharing i'm not i don't have nobody that wants to play any games (laughs) yeah absolutely i guess um do you kind of think maybe cmu and other places in michigan especially since a lot of native people kind of reside up in the in the upper half of the 
of the U.S., do you think we should kind of be more responsible for educating non-Native people about where those traditions come from and in the history, I guess? Well, remember that that's a tough one because, mm. you know, I like being available, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I I don't want to force anything on anybody. So I think just being available as a resource is probably the best way because, I don't know, I feel like it's compromising our cultural value if we're trying to oppress another person to know you got to learn it this way. You know huh. what I mean? I, I guess so. I wouldn't, I don't think it's really oppression if it's really kind of setting the history straight, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I can see where you're coming oh, the, from. Oh, the history part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I def- definitely think some consulting from our historical leaders should be, hmm. should happen. Is there any, you know, any resources you'd like um, people to check out and get familiar with? Well, our, the program I work for, the Culture Center, Zeebling Museum there. Yeah, those are the, those are the two probably bigger, you know, tribal education facilities that are open to the public can you can you uh give me the name of the websites as well so people can go to those to learn a little bit more information too um sagchip.org is the main one Mm -hmm. and then there's several departments in there and um earlier you were you were telling me about how you've been uh filming like little tutorials and other things for the community where can we go check those out as well there should be a link um, available on that site, but you have to fish around, probably on the uh, uh, Seventh Generations page okay. within that website. Also, the YouTube site, but the tribe has several YouTube videos out on YouTube that um, you know you could subscribe to, and um, there's a variety of uh, videos on there. I'd really like to thank you for, for taking the time out to, to speak with me. I think it's very important to kind of let others know um, about the tribe that, you know, we're so close to. Um, so thank you very much for, for joining me today. Thank you for having an interest in, you know, giving likes to uh, the opportunities that we are, are sharing, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. I, I just I think definitely this, you know, this is another bridge. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so as well. Thank you for joining me with Underlying Frequencies, and thank you for listening to Daniel's uh, story and information. Um, don't forget to follow Underlying Frequencies on Instagram. The username is Frequencies. Ha 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 ha. Also, go ahead and please, please check out the Cultural Center and other uh, the Saginaw Chippewa website. Um, in other news, I'm now a vigilante, and this is the issue that I'm going to tackle because I'm very mad about it. 